Hey there, and welcome to Beer Branding Trends, conversations on building stronger craft beverage brands. Kodo Design has spent more than a decade working with craft food and beverage artisans, helping them to brand or rebrand, reposition, and reimagine what a compelling F&B brand can be. This show captures all of our fieldwork and experience into practical strategies, tips, and tactics to help you build a stronger brand and sell more beer. I'm Isaac Arthur. And I'm Cody Fagg. And this is the Beer Branding Trends Podcast. Hey, Cody, what's up? Not a whole lot, Isaac. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great now that I'm talking to you. I'm really excited because today we're discussing common goals that we hear from breweries who are planning to rebrand. So these are the things that we hear over and over again with each new brewery that we talk to and then eventually work with on these projects. So just to kind of throw it back a little bit, I think this will actually dovetail really nicely with episode one. So all the way back, where we covered the various reasons we hear breweries uh, want to rebrand. Those are actually, those are more pain points than today, which we're focusing on goals, but it's kind of two two sides of the same coin. So we found project goals and metrics to be different with every project because the local context is always different. The The brewery is obviously different from project to project. Uh, duh. So the competitive set will always be different. The regulatory landscape you know, all the weird laws we run into as we travel across the country. So reviving a legacy brewery brand requires different goals than does revamping the branding and packaging of a five-year-old brewery that wants to triple its production over the next few years. Very different goals there. So there's a lot that goes into this, and it's important because this is how we ultimately determine kind of on our end, but also for the brewery, whether or not what we do here is successful. When we get one year, two year, three years out from this brand launch, we can look back and, and see if this actually worked or not. So Cody, for now, I want to do, I, I, th- I thought we might kick off with some rapid fire points. I'm going to put you on the spot. Actually, I'm going to put myself on the spot as well, I guess. Let, let's, let's try this. We'll see if this works out. Let's go back and forth through some of the common goals that we hear breweries say in these early conversations, because we do hear, again, similar ones over and over. I'll go first, and then uh, you go, and then we'll, we'll see how, how far we can go. First goal that we hear a lot, we want to sell more beer. Oh, man, you came out with the good one right away. <laughs> the only one that matters, yeah. Okay, how about we've got a bunch of extra brewing capacity, so we need to increase production by whatever percent or however many barrels. Okay. That's kind of piggybacking on mine, but I'll allow it. We we want to win X. I'll just say X, uh, X new draft accounts by the end of the year. Okay. Uh, Let's say we want to launch any given number of new markets. So we want to go into a new state or a new city or whatever. Yep. That's a good one. Kind of, Kind of small when you think about the grand scheme, but we want to increase our follower count on Instagram by X. How about how about increasing uh, newsletter or mailing list subscriber count, which probably is a little bit more valuable than an Instagram follower. <laughs> Just about a million times more valuable. Yes, uh, we want to create. This is a cool one we've heard a few times. Uh, create X new community partnerships. We want to we want to put X amount of dollars into nonprofits or a local community. It's kind of vague. <laughs> okay uh it's all a shell <laughs> yeah we have a new project and we want to give a certain percentage of it of profits to deserving charities sure oh should have said this at the beginning we want to increase merch sales through our website and or tasting room uh we're getting down to the dregs now yeah give me one more i I'm, i think i'm actually out of steam too let me th- let me think down the chain here okay we'd like to book more private events 
um, we'd like to rent out corporate events or parties. Okay, nice. That that actually worked out far better than I thought it would. Uh, even though you kind of copied some of mine, so that was a that was a good mix of qualitative and quantitative goals. Before going any further, we kind of touched on it earlier, Cody. In our mind, anyway, what is the most important goal for any brewery that is considering a rebrand or, or a refresh specifically? What matters more than anything else that we're going to talk about today? You said it from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're changing your branding, whether that's a whole scale rebrand or just kind of a refresh or tweak, the goal above everything else, the kind of umbrella that covers everything is you need to gear it so that it results in an increase in sales. And that's easy to do kind of in the fun short term when you have the sexy new rebrand, but we're also talking about kind of longer term sales. So not just that initial burst, but an overall sustained upward trend in sales velocity. Mm-hmm. All of your goals should work toward this in the end. I mean, you have a brewery, you're there to sell beer. Yeah. Yeah. This is an investment. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. Everything that we do should work towards that goal in some way. So that's why we're here. Okay. Where do we go from here? Uh, Qualitative versus quantitative goals. As I mentioned, both valid, both important. Let's start by focusing on quantitative goals first, because those those are kind of easy to get our hands around and, and measure. So, Cody, we've, we've started using this, uh, the SMART goal format over the last few years, really in response to very undefined goals that we did here all the time. So we wanted to get a way to kind of ground that and push people further. So can you give me a quick overview of SMART goals? We we are in my, my favorite topic, which is business <laughs> acronyms. <laughs> And in fact, in the holiday, Bizax, yeah, Bizax, love, love Bizax. Or, or AKA Bizax, <laughs> here in the hollowed halls of the Kodo Design Studio around the water cooler, they call me Dr. Acronym because I love these. That's not true. So much. You're not a doctor. If you have ever peeked in one of those lame business books at like FedEx office or whatever, you've probably seen SMART goals. That's S M A R T goals. Those letters stand for specific, measurable, action-oriented, oh, yeah. realistic, and <laughs> time-limited. So um, if, if we apply this SMART goal framework to what you mentioned earlier, we want to we sell more beer. Yeah. A valid goal, but at the same time, not very defined. And the reason we like SMART goals is because it shakes it out a little bit and makes you think about, well, how do we actually get there? <laughs> if you just want to sell more beer, technically, if you sell one more pint year over year, then you've, you've accomplished that goal, but then to what end? So if you look at it more through the SMART goal framework, you might end up something with more like, we want to increase sales of our three core beers by 15% Mm -hmm. through all of our off-premise accounts by the end of next year. Break that down. It's specific. So you've set that 15% mark that you want to hit. And there's really no ambiguity about what that means. It's measurable. It's a quantitative metric. You can put it in a spreadsheet and compare it over different time periods. Um, You can look at different SKUs, performance in different markets, et cetera, et cetera. And you'll be able to kind of compare and contrast if if you actually hit that. Action-oriented, this one here, I mean, you kind of know, again, like what you need to do, what you actually, like the verb, what you actually need to do to try to get to this goal. Yeah, we have an end state in mind, so we can kind of figure out what needs to happen to, to work. Right, and, and some of that, I mean, that's kind of the, the great thing about this is it helps you work backwards to figure out what you actually need to do. Mm-hmm. It's realistic, so it's not pie in the sky. 
with a really good brand refresh and 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 smart sort of strategic sales and marketing maneuvers. Great beer, fifteen, yeah, and a great product, which you know, of course, we we always harp on that. Fifteen percent is attainable, I think, for most people in this situation. Very, uh, depending on the market and depending on what you know what your business actually is, it's something that you can actually see in the distance and time limited. Um, in this case, I think we said by the end of next year. So you've got yourself a hard deadline. Yeah. So that's kind of how that breaks out. Yeah. And another reason, thank you for that. Another reason we like smart goals, kind of throwing it back to behind the scenes and process stuff is again, we force people to really put down on paper. What do we actually want to achieve? What do we need to achieve from this process for this to make sense? Like what will make us happy? What will make us selfishly from our end? What will make us sing Kodo's praises and keep working with us? And then maybe another process goal here or or a process consideration is that rather than becoming mired in emotional decisions about whether or not you like a design concept or something, you can ask yourself, will this particular concept, this packaging proposed direction or whatever, will this move us closer to or further away from our goal of increasing our core beer sale? Did you say like 15%? So like by whatever that percentage is by the end of the year. So it gives us again a very concrete thing to put our hands around. And from a process standpoint, we can use that to anchor decisions as we move through the process. So it can work the same way your broader brand strategy and audience personas do in this regard as well. So let's shift gears and talk about qualitative goals that we hear breweries say again and again that they want to accomplish through their rebrand. So Cody, a lot of these, we, we have like four or five, a lot of these don't really require that much explanation, but let's run through them and kind of discuss as needed. So the first that I have here is that we want to maintain the relationship with our current audience while reaching a newer, sometimes younger audience. That That's definitely a goal slash, I would say, concern uh, if you think about weighing brand equity and making sure we don't alienate people. So you, you have anything to add on that? Yeah. You know, that reminds me of a situation we've been on projects, maybe half a dozen times where we come to a market of what was traditionally, you know, more established beer drinkers. So think like 35 to 55 folks who have been supporting a a given brewery for decades in some cases, but then say a giant tech company or a bioengineering firm comes to town. I, I can think of situations in like Utah or Montana where a huge new employer comes to town. All of a sudden you're surrounded by 2000, like, starter families, essentially. So the demographic opportunity is black and white. It's like, okay, how do we appeal to these folks who are maybe coming from bigger metropolitan areas who are used to different beer styles? So that's a common one when we see a demographic demographic shift in a market where if you're a brewery, you might be able to take advantage of that and kind of catch the, the upward momentum of that. Next point here, we want to bring clarity and consistency to our marketing. It's kind of an easy one. Yeah, I think we've talked about this ad nauseum on other episodes, but I mean, I guess it's worth saying either you've switched marketing people in and out or you've had kind of a a freelance artist or a a bevy of freelance artists who've kind of developed your portfolio over time, or you've just never had a dedicated marketing person and you either as the owner or the events coordinator or whatever has kind of been running all the marketing on the back burner. the, The explanations can be myriad, but the point is, you end up in a place where nothing matches, nothing is consistent. And once you get to the market and enough competition comes in, it starts to get confusing for consumers and you just want to reel that in and make it more clear. Yeah. Clean all that trash out and start over. Just clean it up. Throw it in the dumpster. <laughs> Light that on fire. <laughs> 
the next point, you know, I think we're going to do an episode down the line about culture. And, and this is this is obviously a, a shitty, gross buzzword, but but that's that's unfortunate because how it's been treated. But a benefit or a qualitative thing that we do hear from folks is that the, the a desired outcome of this process would be to strengthen and clarify your culture. I think when I, I know I'm asking you the question here, but just as I kind of to tee you up, I think when people say that, when we we push a little harder or try to understand, like you know, how so? Why why do you feel that way? It, it tends to be kind of centering on brand values. Like people just want help, kind of defining that clearly. Do you agree with that, or do you see different stuff as you? Because you're the one that are, that's leading these projects in most cases. I think usually it's just a a matter of we've never stopped to think about what our culture is or what it could look like. So I, I, like when people say that, ultimately, I think they're just wanting someone to come in with an outside set of eyes and shake it out a little bit. Every place has a culture. That's why this language always kind of makes me scratch my head because it's like, yeah, you, you have a culture, even if it's an unremarkable one. <laughs> or even if it <laughs> or, sucks, or a, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, or a good one or a bad one or a mediocre one or whatever it is. I think this maybe plays into, I'm kind of peeking ahead here. You kind of got your next point, but it, it, it sort of plays into how your employees regard customers and how they regard each other and how people feel about waking up in the morning and coming and, you know, busting their asses to do this stuff. So I don't know. I, I don't love that language personally, just like on a personal level, but I, I understand what people mean when they say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing that on an episode. I my my opinions changed and kind of flip flopped several times over the years, being pro and con, and it, I don't know. It's it, we'll talk about that later. That's a fun one. We can just touch on this very quickly before moving on. Uh, kind of the same or the the other side of that coin. We've heard, especially more. You know, I don't know that we've heard this too much from breweries specifically, but like big beverage alcohol in general companies that that make a lot of different products. Uh, wanting to attract top talent, you know, as part of the branding process, they know that an outcome of that will be a clearer vision, clearer, obviously, identity, and, and we can we can better target the type of, you know, young hitters that we want kind of in the door. So attracting top talent is one. So I kind of asked and answered because I don't value your time <laughs> here. Let's ask the next question, unless you have anything to add. Well, no, <laughs> put, put yourself in the shoes of a brewer with an excellent resume or a marketing person who has accomplished great things at other um, employers, do they want to come to your brewery to work and, and put that badge on their chest if it doesn't look and feel awesome? And it seems, I think, maybe kind of superficial if you're cynical about design stuff, but at the end of the day, you need to be proud of who you associate with. And that that comes that's down to like both your values internally as a person, but it's also the outward expression of that. And if, if that isn't all a tight package... I just think other employers are going to be much more attractive for that skilled talent. Yeah, this is a dumb example, but think about how I remember in the early days, 14, 15, 16, just how excited our clients were to like get the show. We would, we would like rush and rush and rush to get merch printed before CBC just so they could like all show up as a squad or in their shirts. So it, it is, it is a small thing, but yeah, it does matter that, that you, it does. It's why football teams have uniforms or, you know, it's why uh, motorcycle gangs have super cool jackets. <laughs> 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 to do crimes together. Yeah. <laughs> Cody, Cody, they're, they're, they're motorcycle clubs, not gangs. Get your language right. All, All right. right. I'm sorry. 
All right. Organizations. Yeah, orgs. Next point here, try to get us back on track. Uh, we want to save money on packaging and printing costs. We hear that fairly regularly, it, it's, especially if you think about over the last year and a half, two, well, hell, two years, people printing pressure sensitive and then sleeves and then scrambling to get cans from wherever they can. So it's just you're the last year or two are kind of outliers, but also it's the new norm, quote unquote, because that's just everyone's dealing with this. This isn't going to go away soon. So we hear that we hear this a lot and it's it's a very good goal to have if we can through our process kind of help you clean that up. Yeah. If you could back up from this question and maybe to say it another way, it's just we want to be able to be more flexible with our releases, which is a huge one. I mean, mm-hmm. that's become such a part of craft beer culture to be able to either come up out with new stuff quickly or turn on a dime to throw out a, a new style that's catching fire. Depending on your brewery and your brand and your positioning, this may or may not apply to you, but that that is maybe a way to think about it a little bit more qualitatively, just like how can we be more flexible and more sexy and interesting to, in, in that kind of category? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that it, and maybe the the qualitative aspect there is is to that point. It's just it makes releasing those new packages easier. Mm-hmm. You know, fo- we work with a lot of folks. There are a lot of folks out there that are just releasing a canned beer a week. You know, because that's what you have to do right now in this moment in time. And yeah, man, that's a drag. That would be. That'd be, that'd be a, a tough schedule to stay on. Yeah. Here we go. Another point. We want our packaging to do a better job of billboarding on shelf. This one is really simple. If you have in your marketplace set, if you have six different products on the shelf next to each other and they look like they're from six different breweries, there's a good chance you're missing a huge opportunity to make much more impact at retail. So when we say billboarding on shelf, is there a continuous element across those different SKUs that ties them together visually? It's kind of like how they tell you to like put your arms up if you encounter a grizzly bear because it'll think you're bigger somehow. It's sort of like no, that. No, you 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 charge the grizzly bear and you fight it. Yeah, get you put you you put it in a reverse headlock and wait for it to submit. <laughs> you get it in a good rear naked choke. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I was in Yellowstone and I uh, stone cold stunnered a black bear? That's really cool, dude. Uh, save it for its own episode. All right. All right. So billboarding on shelf. Mm-hmm. Let me let me jump in there now that I've interrupted you. Retailers won't always put your the, the, the work that you and I and our team spends hundreds of hours getting perfect and working together. Sometimes they just split that shit up and put it wherever they can fit it. We've seen coolers arranged and everyone's seen this stuff by style, by region, by brewery, by hell price cold and warm it just everything gets stacked wherever it can so the idea of billboarding in a perfect world is yeah we've got five SKUs and it literally billboards and presents as a four four foot by one foot block on shelf which looks brilliant and beautiful and does lead to to increase in pull and on sale as we saw through our cbc presentation a few years ago but also can you can you identify the brewery that you're looking for your brewery out there in two or three different uh, coolers because it, it it still has the same kind of look, this this overarching gestalt that, that makes it look and hang together. So billboarding is a very important one, uh, especially, obviously, an off-premise. If you're selling stuff out your front door, maybe not as important, but that that is uh, that's something that we've written about and maybe we'll talk about in the future as well. Final point here, and it's a good one. We want a more user-friendly website. Talk about a topic that will and should be its own episode because I am putting the entire craft beer industry on notice. (laughs) I am seeing some 
atrocious websites. <laughs> and that's not even just from a design snob perspective, although believe me, it's coming from there too. If I get on your website and I can't tell what you have on draft, what you have for carryout, where you are, what your hours are, if all that stuff isn't updated, if I'm seeing crap from 2016 on there, what are you doing? You're you're leaving money on the table. So there, I'm going to stop being harsh now and just say, if you don't have a user-friendly website, and when I say user-friendly, I mean both for customers and also for your staff to keep it updated and clean and clear, you are making a big mistake and you are leaving money out there to just fly into the ether away from your wallet. Yeah. I remember you and I sat down with a two-year-old brewery, kind of local to us. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but they were, it was a brewery. And uh, the guy we were talking to is like, yeah, I built our website. And, and it was just, it was dog shit. And he, he was really proud of it. And I didn't, we didn't say anything, but it's like, dude, you could just use a template. Why? There's no excuse for, for doing. Yeah. It, it's no excuse for having a website that at least at a bare minimum just doesn't display the information that people come to your website to find hours, family friendly what's on draft, et cetera. So Cody, any closing thoughts? If you're thinking about readdressing any of your branding or design, I mean, really all I can think about is you're probably going to have your own goals probably in the back of your head already ahead of kicking the process off, probably before you even reach out to hire somebody to help you with it. But we think that a big part of the conversation of hiring and onboarding a design firm should be listing those goals out. Any designer that you hire, it's going to be their responsibility to help you get there. And so having a clear black and white set of what we're trying to accomplish doesn't constrict the creative process. Rather, it actually fuels it and and helps it kind of draw out its full potential. So set them, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say this is what we want to do or this is the opportunity we see because there are a lot of talented designers out there and branding and marketing people who can actually help you get there. Yeah, for sure. And if you have a hard time setting goals, the SMART goals in particular, then it might be easier for you, depending on your mindset, to focus on pain points. So what are going back to the first episode, you know, what are those issues, the, those kind of nagging issues that you face on a, a regular basis? If you deal with those things, you and your branding partner can help you kind of reframe those into actionable project goals. So, so if we're dealing with something that's really annoying and terrible, maybe there's a good way to, to build a goal around that. So that's it. Cody, thanks for your time today. I'm going to talk to you offline, probably on Slack, about motorcycle club jackets? <laughs> question, question mark. <laughs> sure. Uh, thank you, Isaac. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to Beer Branding Trends. If you like what we're doing here, if you find this valuable, please rate and review us over on iTunes. And head over to BeerBrandingTrends.com to join more than 5,000 subscribers who receive our monthly email newsletter covering strategy, currents, and actionable advice from Kodo Design, a branding firm on the front lines of beer and beverage branding. Take care. We'll catch back up with you soon. <laughs>